0: Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta Sky Mile's Platinum American Express card. And we here on Savor are what you might call food explorers. It has been our actual job to go to cool places and eat like a lot of the food there. And then talk about it. And then talk about it into (laughs) these microphones, which is a crazy dream job. Yes. Well, if you're like us and willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. It's for people like us who are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know.
2: Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. California. Can I get excursions?
0: We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Balboa Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hello and welcome to Saver. I'm Annie Reese, and I'm Lauren Volkelbaum, and today we're talking about the Kit Kat bar,
1: <laughs> which actually is a bar, like a, a place to go and purchase alcohol, and you can buy a Kit Kat martini. But we're actually talking about oh. not that. Well, sure, we're talking about the candy bar. <laughs> yes, which is also probably a thing now that I think about it. Or we're talking about the candy. Yes, Kit Kat. That
0: one. The candy. We're, we're also talking about a couple of clubs. Bars, clubs, but that's later.
1: Yeah, that's later and uh, not as exciting as it might sound because I'm picturing like <laughs> rave Lights, everyone's got Kit Kat bars in their hand. I'd be living it up because Kit Kats are one of my favorite candies. Oh, yeah? I've mentioned before they are one of my fabulous five <laughs> that I have to find every year at Halloween or else the world will end. Okay. I have to find them. They can't be, I can't purchase. Must be found. I see you. The only way to satisfy the candy gods. Yeah, it's like cabin in the woods, but with
0: candy. Exactly.
1: Gotcha. It's exactly like that. <laughs> um, and I think last year time is all messed up in my head, but I think it was like last year or two years ago. I went to Japan, <laughs> and um, I went out of my way. To go find the Kit Kat store because, as a lot of you probably know, and as we're going to talk about, Kit Kats are very
0: popular in Japan. They are, they are. And you brought me back some amazing flavors of Kit Kats. I still have some like squirreled away in my desk, and like when I'm when I really need like a pick me up, I'm just like, yes, I should eat one of these. When you need a a break. When I need a break.
1: Oh, we're terrible. Um, <laughs> and there was this place that had a, a Kit Kat croissant in Japan, and oh,
0: oh, what was it? What was it like?
1: It was a croissant, and then. Just smooshed up Kit Kats in the center. Oh,
0: wow. It was so good. That's okay. I'm (laughs) going to be like dreaming of that now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I definitely took a long route to find one, but I did. Um, And if you're wondering why we're talking about Kit Kats, although a lot of our episodes we give no real reason.
0: Oh, zero.
1: (laughs) It's because it's kind of a way to celebrate Lunar New Year. Um, which the official start date is February 5th, I believe, and it's the year of the pig. Ah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, cool. But all of this brings us to our question.
0: Kit Kats. What are they? Well, Kit Kats are a chocolate-based confection. Uh, They consist of a three-wafer cookie stack with a cream filling between the wafers, and the whole stack is dredged in chocolate. Each coated stack is about the size of, like, a skinny, squared-off, human finger. And the flavor of the wafers and filling and coating can vary, but the uh, piece de resistance about this candy is that those fingers are almost always connected along their long ends in groups of twos or fours uh, by a base, uh, sort of like the sole of a shoe, Mm -hmm. if your shoes were both connected to each other by a single sole.
1: ooh, that'd be difficult.
0: But follow with me here. Yeah, instead of rubber, it's chocolate coating, so -hmm. that you can break the pieces off individually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. You can share them that way or nibble on each little bar individually. And uh, the result is an airy, crispy, crunchy confection that is sweet and rich without feeling too heavy. Yeah. And brace yourself for this next part, folks. The cream filling in the layers between the wafers, which the brand, by the way, calls the Choco layer, is made partially of ground-up Kit Kat bars. My God.
1: What monstrosity is this?
0: <laughs> it seems that someone at some point realized that broken or otherwise unsellable bars could be put to use in the filling, along with some sugar and cocoa liqueur. That makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Save some money. Don't waste. Yeah, totally. Right. I'm behind that. Uh, some factories also have separate processes to uh, dispose of other waste product. For example, wafers that aren't up to snuff might go to local farms as animal feed. And Kit Kats are made by uh, baking off large sheets of wafer— in a process that does include yeast, by the way. Uh, the wafer sheets are then dredged in cream and stacked and dredged and stacked and then cut, dropped into molds that are already partially filled with chocolate, and then topped or bottomed, I guess, with more chocolate to form that shoe sole kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In 2018, the University of Manchester did some fun imaging science around Easter uh, of a bunch of different chocolate candies. And they found that the chocolate to wafer stuff ratio in a Kit Kat bar is 53% to 47%. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Huh. And the researchers, uh, the researchers commented that the wafer structure is similar to rock layers that are being studied for petroleum, oil, and gas extraction.
1: Kit Kats, stop <laughs> being so cool. <laughs> the
0: shape of each finger, by the way, is called a pyramidal frustrum, AKA a pyramid with the pointy top lopped off.
1: Pyramidal Frustrum. I think that that is a character in Silent Hill. (laughs) That's his scientific name. Oh,
0: my goodness. Okay, we're learning things. Mm -hmm. Discovering secrets. (laughs) Making our own secrets. Pyramidal secrets.
1: Ooh, I like pyramidal secrets.
0: But what about the name? Kit Kat, not pyramidal secrets.
1: Pyramidal secrets should be a show. I'm just going to throw that out there. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's a new podcast coming to you from iHeartMedia. <laughs>
1: it's just going to be a bunch of random facts about pyramids. I think people would tune in. <laughs> yeah, I would. Just out of like, huh, this exists, I'll listen to it. Okay, but yes, the name of Kit Kats. Uh-huh. So we have actually a lot. This name has uh, many, many, many possible origin stories. Yes, But the one that you come across the most often claims that it traces back to a 17th century literary club based in London that this club met at a pie shop owned by pastry chef Christopher Catling. So it's a contraction of his name, the Kit Kat Club. This pie shop served mutton pies called Kit Kats. Or possibly not. (laughs) We will get into that more in our history section. And the name we do know, Mm -hmm. is a part of why this candy is such a big deal in Japan. It is close to a Japanese phrase for surely win or sure to win. Or you will surely win. Yeah. Yeah. Kitokatsu. Handing them, like, Kit Kats out to students before exams is a common practice, and some of them even have this, like, little thought bubble. Yeah,
0: where you can write a little message. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and they're a popular gift. Uh, Japan makes a lot of uh, regional varieties for tourists, like Japanese tourists, to bring home as small presents. They come in different shapes too, like maple leaves or Mount Fuji stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I read an account of a golden trophy handed out
1: to KitKat Japan's marketing manager, shaped like a KitKat.
0: Yeah, as Annie said or kind of alluded to earlier, there are boutiques devoted to KitKats in Japan. They're called Chocolatories, and from New York Times Magazine, these places, quote, resemble high-end shoe stores, a single ingot to a silky peel-away sheath, stacked in slim boxes and tucked inside ultra-smooth opening doors, which a well-dressed multilingual sales clerk slides open for you as you browse. Are we talking about Kit Kats still? <laughs> I'm not sure. It's a beautiful article, by the way. Uh, it's called Big in Japan. Look it up.
1: I love this next fact, and I think I'm probably one of the few people that gets excited about things like this. <laughs> um, Kit Kats are manufactured by both Nestle and Hershey. Oh, snap. Yes, due to a, a licensing agreement. While Nestle owns Kit Kat Global, Hershey makes them in the United States. And... <laughs> Just a fun, a fun side story here. I love licensing agreements. Oh, yeah. And uh, Lauren knows because you, got, you <laughs> got subject to the same thing. Because our, our friend um, Noel Brown of Ridiculous History, uh-huh. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, he recently went on a trip to Universal. And he asked me for tips, and I sent him pages and pages of stuff. Of course he did. Of course. And he was asking me about something. He said he wanted, like, to when he got back to go out for drinks— We could talk about it. And I was like, well, you're going to have to let me regale you with a fascinating tale of licensing agreements. (laughs) And why Universal (laughs) has Marvel characters owned by Disney, but not (laughs) in California. Oh. Oh, I can tell you the tale. (laughs) The listeners are like, no, God, please. (laughs) Anyway, I I find it fascinating. I love this little little fact. (laughs) And here's something else I haven't really thought about, but— of course, there is some debate around how do you eat a Kit Kat. What is the proper way to eat a Kit Kat? Do you break the fingers and then go one at a time, or do you bite into multiple fingers at once? To me, that's weird. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I to me, like multiple finger bite is mm-hmm. like, who does that? <laughs> exactly. Like you have to either to my mind be completely unfamiliar with Kit Kats or just want to watch the world burn. It's the joker and and someone who's never (laughs) eaten a Kit Kat. Those are the only two. There have been a few times, uh, y'all have probably seen them, uh, photos of people just having taken a bite out of the whole bar have circulated. One time when a lady posted this on Twitter of her boyfriend having done that, like Twitter responded with, break up with him. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Um, No, but really there's an area of design philosophy that this pertains to. It's called affordances. And the idea is that particular forms invite particular actions, like, uh, like buttons afford pushing. Handles afford uh, gripping. Flaps afford uncovering and recovering. And this goes deep. Like, think about clever objects like Tupperware that snaps together like Legos so that you can stack it in your cabinets or so that it stays together in your backpack. If you look around you, probably every single manufactured product that you see has been designed with affordances in mind to uh, to encourage you to use that product in a certain way or to make it easier or more pleasant to use in some way. The shape of a Kit Kat bar affords breaking it into fingers like intuitively. When we see a bite taken out across multiple fingers, it feels wrong because it's both ignoring the social construct of a Kit Kat bar as we understand it from advertising and marketing and also the like object determinism of the candy, because it has weak points, it wants you to break those points. This is deep, Lauren. I know.
1: Oh, my gosh. Now I kind of want to be a, a rebel and just, <laughs> the whole thing, and then the world will be like that, girl.
0: Oh. <laughs> well,
1: hopefully not that reaction. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, I'm going to appreciate that probably when I have a KitKat immediately after this. (laughs) But. Let's talk about some nutrition.
0: I mean, it's a candy bar. Uh, you know, okay. One, I, I went digging <laughs> through our, like, candy bin at the office to find a whole bar to, to check the nutrition label to make sure that my information was completely correct. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason. Purely for research. Absolutely. Um, one a four-finger bar of the standard United States type, which weighs about 1.5 ounces or 42 grams, contains 40% of your daily recommended intake of saturated fat and 22 grams of sugar. I compared it to a standard-sized milk chocolate Hershey's bar, and bizarrely, they're almost nutritionally identical. The Kit Kat has half as much cholesterol, and the Hershey's has more like vitamin and mineral content. But other than that, it's basically nutritionally the same. Oh,
1: that is surprising. I
0: know, right? Huh. What's going on, Kit Kat? And there are recipes online for making your own, usually using butter crackers, like club crackers, Uh you know, as as the wafer layer. Which I find very fascinating.
1: I think I tried to make my own Butterfingers once and it was the same. Hmm. It didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let's look at some numbers. Oh, yeah. Kit Kat sales increased by 50% between
0: 2010 and 2016. As of 2017, 192 million Kit Kats are sold in the United States every year. Ooh. In Japan, they sell about 4 million uh, mini Kit Kats, like two short fingers individually wrapped, every day. 4 million a day. Wow. And in Britain, the company, I think it's the most popular chocolate bar in Britain, and the company says that 47 Kit Kats are eaten every minute. Whoa. (laughs) In total, they estimate that they sell more than 17.6 billion fingers of Kit Kats per year. It is sold in over 100 countries, and uh, yes, the basic recipe does vary slightly country to country. Uh, Different cacao beans, uh, including sometimes like fancy pink cacao, uh, different milks for the chocolate, all that kind of noise. And the recipe has changed over the years. The current versions are smaller and contain more sugar than their predecessors, which I learned about because a a thrifter antique store shopkeeper found a 22-year-old Kit Kat bar buried in a box of tableware that someone dropped off her shop
1: unearthed treasure i know Bet it could sell or you know decent amount yeah you know five bucks (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) who knows it belongs in a museum that's true what am i thinking (laughs) what's wrong with me capitalism (laughs) Um, all right so flavors yes i'm actually surprised at how much differentiation i found between the number of different flavors because in one place i saw 120 different flavors in another place, I read that Japan alone has over 200 flavors, or maybe 300 flavors. I think this might have to do with, like, of all time versus available. Or,
0: yeah, or, like, seasonally or sure. Right,
1: yeah. Um, but in Japan, you can find wasabi, red bean, green tea, cucumber, watermelon, soy sauce, which is the most popular flavor. Hmm. Uh huh. Sweet potato, um, college tater. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. I think it was, like, a... Maybe like a potato chip. Yeah, like a tater tot or potato chip or something. Hmm. I I know that when I was there, I brought back as uh, souvenirs wasabi, red bean, green tea, soy sauce.
0: (laughs) I think I think you gave me a sake one.
1: Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah, there was champagne um, and sweet potato. That one was hard to find. I was determined to find the sweet potato one.
0: Um, yeah, I think there's specifically the purple sweet potato exactly. variety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah. Yeah, uh, grape, strawberry, cheesecake, uh, passion fruit, plum wine, roasted tea, matcha, mochi, sublime bitter. That's a 66% dark chocolate. Uh, Tokyo banana. Which is the other, their Which is
1: popular a, souvenir. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a little uh, individually wrapped uh, snack cake mm-hmm. that is so good. You brought <laughs> me one of those too, and I I was like, what? ambrosia am I eating right now? I was <laughs> yeah. so surprised. Oh, Japanese banana flavor is so much better than yeah. American banana flavor. I don't know what scientists are doing wrong here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny because the name is silly, at least to me, Tokyo Banana.
0: No, that's, I mean, banana is objectively Banana's hilarious. Banana funny. Yeah.
1: And I had never really heard of it, but it was everywhere in the airport. Like, everywhere. So I knew it was a big tourist thing. And then as I went to the country, people were telling me, you need to bring back a Tokyo banana as a souvenir. And I, I kind of shrugged at like, "Okay." <laughs> and then I'm so glad. I did. Yeah. Mm-mm. I love, I wish I had known there was a Kit Kat flavor of Tokyo banana. I kind of love that. <laughs> and we've talked before on this show. I think it was in the um, Edible Gold episode. Sure, yeah. About some of the super fancy expensive ones. According to execs, a new flavor variety takes about six months to develop, and they're not always a success, like sports drink mm. or cough drop, mm. which was kind of a marketing thing because it was meant for soccer fans that it would aid their scr- oh. their scratchy throats after cheering at a game. I
0: feel like maybe I've eaten one of those, maybe on, maybe on Snack Stuff with Ben Bolin. Ooh. I know that I ate some kind of candy that was— Meant to be cough drop flavored. That anyway, cough drop flavored candy. Ooh. Well, KitKat celebrated
1: their 75th year in 2010. So let's take a look at some of the history in those 75 years. But first, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. <laughs>
0: And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere
1: you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some
0: amazing dishes. Sure. Yes. Like I had never understood what poke really could be. And it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm hmm. Yeah which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, Another thing from there, Passion Fruit, I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has Passion Fruit, going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially
1: the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had in Las Vegas. In
0: Vegas, yeah. Oh, Or just
1: steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement?
0: Exactly. (laughs) Well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know.
2: From football playoffs to basketball madness...
1: The history of the Kit Kat goes back to August 29, 1935, when the first four-fingered wafer was manufactured in England. This candy, called Roundtree's Chocolate Crisp, was sold in London and Southeast England for three cents apiece. They originally aimed to be as part of a worker's lunch. Kind of that's why the, the shape and the breaking off. And, yeah. Yeah. From the Roundtree's proposal, quote, a chocolate bar that a man could take to work in his pack-up. Packed lunch.
0: Um, or as a companion to a cup of tea. Yeah, like a like a tea biscuit, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Roundtree brand went way back. It was named after one Henry Isaac Roundtree, who opened a grocery store and cocoa foundry in York in the mid-1800s. Sometime after the 1860s, the company started making chocolates and other candies.
1: Roundtree sold chocolates called Kit Kats in 1891, but they were not uh, what we think of as Kit Kats, and they were quickly discontinued.
0: But back to 1935 and the Chocolate Crisp.
1: Two years later, Roundtree's marketing director, George Harris, decided the candy was in need of a rebrand, and the name changed to Kit Kat Chocolate Crisp. Um, he had registered Kit Kat, cat with a K, and Kit Kat with a C back in 1911. The rebrand also included the first mention of break in the copy, and it was inspired by uh,
0: taking a break for tea. Yeah, break mm-hmm. off a piece, break for tea, Sure. The story of the name here is super unclear. I went down a whole rabbit hole. Um, okay, here are the facts. In the early 1700s, there was a, late 16, early 1700s, there was a political, literary, and artistic club in London called the Kit Kat Club that was made up of the most distinguished and influential Whig Party members of the day fighting for the authority of Parliament over the monarchy. And that's, that's it for the facts, y'all. This is where it gets crazy. <laughs> um, the origin of their name is also super unclear. One, one story goes that the uh, club first met at the home or shop of a baker by the name of Christopher Cat, K-A-T-T, or Cat, C-A-T, or Catling. Um, and this dude's pies, possibly mutton pies, were so popular that they received their own nickname, Kit Cats, with Kit being a short form of Christopher. Possibly Kit Kat was his nickname first, uh, but the club ate a lot of these pies, so they adopted it as their name, too. Or, possibly, there was a baker named Christopher whose last name doesn't matter, but whose shop sign displayed a cat and a fiddle. And he was called Kit for short, and when the club started hanging out there, they dubbed themselves the Kit Kat Club. Or, maybe it's none of the above. There's an epigram about how confusing (laughs) all of this is that was penned by um, the famed uh, contemporary mathematician and writer John Abbotnot, and at some point it was put to music. I'm not going to sing it because I didn't look up the tune and that would be terrible, um, but, (laughs) but, but here goes. Whence deathless Kit Kat took his name, few critics can unriddle. Some say from pastry cook it came, and some from cat and fiddle. From no trim bows its name it boasts, gray statesman or green wits, but from the pell-mell pack of toasts of old cats and young kits. In which uh, old cats and young kits, short for kittens, seems to refer to old and young ladies who were often the subjects of the club's toasts. Uh, But yeah, Dr. knott was largely a satirist, so I'm not sure that this was meant literally.
1: It's confusing.
0: It's a whole mess. Um, However the name came about, the term was eventually extended to the size of the portraits that the club had made of its members. Uh, they were done not of the standard, like, half-length pose, hips up, or, nor the one-quarter head-and-shoulders pose, but they were sort of like one-third pose, waist up, like, usually seated, including an arm and a hand, leaning oh, on a table. the
1: cool kids' pose.
0: Exactly. Um, and maybe this was the standard size for their portraits because the club's ceilings were low, Anyway, the, the club was really influential, and so was the painter, one Sir Godfrey Neller. And, I mean, like, the portraits are still on rotation in the United Kingdom's National Portrait Gallery. So, eventually, the name Kit Kat was applied to lots of other things, uh, going in and out of fashion for, for decades and
1: decades. power of the Kit Kat. There was also a weekly magazine in the 1800s out of Philadelphia called Kit Kat. And during the Jazz Age, it was the name of a popular nightclub in London. Or it could come from the tagline from Roundtree's wife's sorority, keep in touch, Kappa Alpha Theta. Kit Kat. (laughs) I'm telling you so many stories out there about this. I love it. Along comes that massive transformative event, World War II. A shortage of ingredients in 1942, namely milk, required a recipe change switching over to dark chocolate. And another packaging change, the wrapper... Color was altered to blue, it had been red, and chocolate crisp was dropped just leaving Kit Kat. And the blue packaging was kind of to differentiate it from like to make clear this is a different This is a different product. Exactly. Yeah. And it came with the message, quote, Because no milk can be obtained for chocolate manufacture, the chocolate crisp you knew in peacetime can no longer be made. Kit Kat is the nearest possible product at the present time. I mean,
0: these days dark chocolate Kit Kat bars are Fancy. I know. (laughs) That's true. Uh, But during World War II, the British government endorsed the Kit Kat bar as like a cheap and healthy source of nourishment, according to The Guardian. And when the war
1: ended, um, milk returned to the recipe and the red wrapper also returned in 1949. The Kit Kat market started to grow during the 1950s, expanding to Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and South Africa. All those good Commonwealth countries. Exactly. Mm -hmm. An advertising executive from JWT London,
0: Donald Gillies, pins the classic advertising line, have a break, have a Kit Kat. This was in 1957 for the Candy's first television ad, and the slogan would stick in Britain up through 2004 when it was replaced with a make the most of your break, which, according to the brand, uh, reinforces Kit Kat's ownership of key snacking occasions.
1: Key snacking occasions. Just the most corporate
0: thing I've read all day.
1: (laughs) And I love it. I do love it. I I just read the uh, job posting for drivers of the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Oh, man. That was
0: man. pretty corporate. <laughs> I didn't let myself read that, but I got the same email, and I'm really <laughs> excited about reading it later. Uh, maybe we can do, like, a performative oh, reading. Oh,
1: we should. Okay. It's going to be really hard to get through it without laughing. Oh, yeah. we are professionals. We are. Reals. Anyway. <laughs> anyway— um, another KitKat innovation comes along in the 60s with the debut of the two-finger Multipack. pack ah. Yeah, this boosted sales. More and more KitKats could be found in stores and in the homes of consumers. The first color television commercial debuted in
0: 1969. And the company really expanded in the 1970s, to places outside of the Commonwealth even.
1: What? A new factory opened in Hamburg, Germany in the 1970s, increasing Europe's KitKat market. If we look at the American market, Hershey Corporation agreed to license the brand and sell it in the United States. An agreement with Japanese company Fujia to sell Kit Kats in Japan comes along
0: in 1973. I can't believe that it wasn't the 1970s until we had Kit Kats in America. I mean, not that I was, like, around for the previous time, but it just seems like such an American staple. I know, and this is probably my American exceptionalism
1: showing, mm-hmm. but I thought it was invented here.
0: Oh, yeah, I assume that everything was invented here because I'm <laughs>
1: terrible. I assume most, like, candies are.
0: <laughs> I guess that's fair, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now that I think about it, it is, it is a very uh, British kind of, anyway, yeah. Um, Originally, Fujiya marketed Kit Kats as a distinctly British candy. Yeah. Uh, early commercials featured, like, British soldiers taking a break with a Kit Kat bar. Oh, Lauren,
1: the song immediately starts playing.
0: Oh, the song has been in my
1: head this whole time. <laughs> it hasn't stopped. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's the price of doing this episode. The first panda commercial graced TV screens in 1987. And if you're like me and it was sort of, uh, this was a big deal. And when I saw a picture of it, I do remember vaguely seeing that panda in conjunction with Kit Kats.
0: What what was the panda was did it? He was just you know. Was he trying to get a Kit Kat bar?
1: <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, I don't remember. I just oh. remember like images of okay. like the panda and the Kit Kat um, branding. So
0: I do not recall this, but I believe you entirely. Yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nestle
1: enters the picture in 1988, acquiring Roundtree. A year later, a Nestle factory opens in Japan. Over the next decade, new operations opened in China, Malaysia, and India. In 1996, the U.K. introduces the first flavor variant, Kit Kat Orange. Ah. Mm -hmm. Three years later, in 1999, they launched Kit Kat Chunky, which took off. People loved it. And execs were like, we've got to get this in other
0: markets. Uh, if you've never seen one of these, uh, Kit Kat Chunky is a b- chunky version of the bar. It's more the size and shape of like a traditional like, like Snickers bar or something like that. And oh. uh, with, with breaks the short way across rather than, you know. Really? I know.
1: That's blowing my mind. Wild.
0: nice. <laughs> Nestle
1: buys out the Japanese company manufacturing KitKats in 2000.
0: And that year, the uh, first Japanese specialty flavor was developed and sold, strawberry, uh, with the uh, milk chocolate coating tinted pink from dehydrated strawberry juice powder.
1: Mmm. Around the same time, operations opened in Russia, Bulgaria, Turkey, and Venezuela.
0: Kit Kat junkies spread to Central and Eastern Europe. Ah. <sighs> In 2002, Nestle attempted to trademark the four-finger shape of the bar with the European Union, which turned them down, saying that consumers do not rely primarily on the bar's shape to identify it, given that logos and branded packaging are involved. No trademark for you. They're still appealing the decision, I think. Like, the latest rejection was passed down just last August. It's generally, by the way, difficult to trademark the shape of products like this and the uh, the legal distinctiveness of the shape versus its mere functionality is pretty much decided at the whim of like the in- individual government human who's hearing the case. Also, a Norwegian company sells a candy bar in nearly the same shape, and they keep arguing against the trademark in these appeals. I love it. I do
1: too. I wanna I wanna see like an HBO miniseries drama, <laughs> like really gritty, <laughs> about trying to get the Kit Kat bar shape <laughs> trademarked. It's intense. It, it sounds very intense. Going back to that jingle, a 2003 study found the Kit Kat jingle was one of the most common earworms in the United States. Oh, wow. I believe it.
0: Oh, yeah. It's, it's something that pops up in my head like randomly, I'd, right? i say like about once a month.
1: Yeah, it's like an Inside Out where they, she keeps getting that, um, that bubble gum. Randomly, oh. she gets that bubble gum song second head. It's yeah. like that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that and Bagel Bites.
1: Ooh, I don't know Bagel Bites, and I'm pretty sure I don't want to. Oh, I'm sure you do. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Dylan, Super producer Dylan is <laughs> nodding maniacally. Um, Kit Kat Pop Chalk launched in 2005. Uh, these are these are bags of,
0: like, these wee little, like, square, fingertip-sized Kit Kat pieces.
1: Oh, that could get me in some serious trouble. Oh, yeah. Just, like, handfuls. Oh, sure. Mm-mm. The following year, in 2006, Kit Kat introduced Guideline Daily Amounts, GDAs, on the front of their packaging, making them one of the first companies in the UK and Ireland to do so.
0: Yeah, that's a little, like, basic nutritional information. Yeah. It's right there on the top. It's nice.
1: Yeah, it is nice. I do. I like it. In 2007, KitKat Singles launched in Canada. Uh, those are uh, individually wrapped, like, single fingers. And then, in 2008, KitKat Senses launched in Canada and Europe, and, uh, what. whoop. whoop.
0: What's that? <laughs> These are boxes of, um, of those individually wrapped single fingers. The boxes, like, fold open into sort of, like, decorative serving bowls. And uh, the bars look like—I haven't had them, but they look like they're made with slightly thicker cookie layers rather than the wafers. And there's still a stack of three and then a layer of, like, semi-solid filling on top. Like, they're taller. Uh-huh. Um, uh, like chocolate hazelnut or salted caramel.
1: So it's a, a treat for your senses.
0: I, your eyes. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, in 2013, Android named its 4.4 version operating system KitKat. And in 2018, Hershey began building an expansion of its plant in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, a $60 million expansion for a new manufacturing line devoted entirely to KitKat's. Hershey stated that they think Kit Kats will be their next $1 billion global brand after Reese's. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. My other favorite candy.
0: <laughs> Before the expansion, the factory was making 240,000 Kit Kats per day. After, it was up to 390,000. They're wow. uh, also planning on bringing their strawberry flavor to the United States. Oh, wow. I guess that's true. We don't really have other flavors. Other flavors. Huh. Yeah. Well... That's exciting. It is. Also, as of 2018, at some Kit Kat chocolatories in Japan, you can order custom liquid nitrogen-cooled Kit Kat confections, picking from a variety of base bar flavors and then weird toppings um, that they then just, like, cool with liquid nitrogen in front uh, of you. Of course. I'm not sure why. Uh, but, yeah, they s- serve you a single finger with toppings for something like 6 or 7 bucks a piece. Oh my goodness me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Innovation,
1: Kit Kat Innovation. <laughs> I kind of like you you were mentioning when describing these, I was trying to find I was at a Kyoto train station, which is this enormous, uh-huh. enormous train station, like complex. And I knew there was a Kit Kat <laughs> place in there. And I, I walked around for like over an hour trying to find it. I've heard that they are troubling to find. Yes, and I think part of it is this. I was thinking it would look, I don't know, it would be clear. This is the Kit Kat place. Uh-huh. It kind of looks like how I imagine either a an upscale, like, perfume uh, store yeah. or, like, jewelry. Mm-hmm. It has that vibe. Maybe, like, like, Apple
0: or something like that? Yeah, yeah. it's like
1: all, everything in there is kind of gold. Huh. And it's got, um, <laughs> like, a gelato case. Oh, sure. Kit Kat's. <laughs> and then, so, like, they were mostly women, but they would come up and they would, like, open this, like, kind of, like really fancy <laughs> case and there's a Kit
0: Kat in there. And there's, like, a single Kit Kat oh on a my, pillow. What is this? Oh, man.
1: It took me a long time to find it because I, I think I walked by it several times and didn't realize.
0: Yeah. I think they're also frequently paired with, cause, since uh, Nestle owns that branch, with, um, with like, Nest Cafe, like, like uh, little, like, cafe kind of situation. So. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just called, I think. Like, I I don't know if they always have the Kit Kat branding on the signage. Yeah. I think sometimes it's just called Chocolatory. I think so. I don't think it said Kit Kat anywhere. But I I found it. I'm happy I did. I'm happy that you did too. <laughs> oh yeah, surprisingly, a lot to say about Kit Kats. <laughs> <laughs> I went I went real deep on this one, guys. Like, I, th- I was I was afraid I was never going to resurface. <laughs> it's like it's Kit Kat, the one that finally sinks me. <laughs> Lauren's gone. Is this it? <laughs> she just eat Kit Kat
1: now, alone in the corner, <laughs> singing the jingle. <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare. Woo. Oh. Well, I'm glad that didn't happen
0: to you, Lauren. What if it's happening right now? What if I'm still there? Kit Kat paradox. I was hoping this wouldn't happen. We'd better go to an ad break and then do some listener mail. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair
1: anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some
0: amazing dishes. Sure. Yes. Like I had never understood what poke really could be. And it is delightful. It is stunningly good. hmm. Yeah which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, Another thing from there, Passion Fruit, I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has Passion Fruit, going for it.
1: And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had in Las Vegas. In
0: Vegas, yeah. Oh, Or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. (laughs) Well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know.
2: Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.
0: Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. And I'm back from the Kit Kat paradox, I think.
1: Listeners have no I way think. of knowing how long <laughs> you were gone. <laughs> Lauren's been, oh, he's been indulging. It feels like ages. It does. Anyway, anyway, we are back with <gasps> listener, listener mail. mail. Listener mail. Listener mail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize <laughs> to everybody. That is in your head now. You <laughs> you're in the same boat with us. Jasmine wrote, I am an avid ranch hater discussing the dressing, not ranches. I'm oh, assuming. Probably not. Probably not. Maybe both. Who knows? The flavor is gross and the texture <laughs> is worse. As you mentioned in the podcast, the condiment is very big in the south and midwest. Being from the South, I would see other people devour ranch like it was the best thing ever. But it was not until I moved to Missouri, peak Midwestern state, that I realized what a huge deal it is. I remember my second week of being in St. Louis. I was told there is a place called Twisted Ranch, an entire restaurant dedicated to ranch and its many variations. Every single item, all caps, has ranch in it in some form or fashion. And ranch flights, much like beer and wine flights. Are available. I have never been and will never go. (laughs) But that was all I could think about listening to the episode. (laughs) Yeah, we mentioned that in our episode, but I I had to include ranch flights. Like, that is something. That's a whole thing. It is. I got your garlic ranch, your (sighs) habanero ranch, got your fireball to follow it up. Oh.
0: (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Megan wrote, I also dislike ice in my drinks, and the talk of getting drinks straight up reminded me of an episode of an old Eliza Dushku show called True Calling. Oh, I remember that show. That was great. Where Eliza's character worked in a morgue and repeated days to solve crimes. Like you do. In this episode, five men die at a party, so when she goes back, she poses as the bartender there. It turns out, spoilers, there was a sixth man who kept asking for his drinks straight up, and Eliza figures out it was because he poisoned the ice, and she gets him to confess by telling him that even though there were no ice cubes in the final drink, she did swirl some around to chill the glass before serving, so he's been poisoned, too. No! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah, I I wanted to include this because um, you ended that episode with all the pop culture kind of horror Things yeah. that ICE is involved in. Uh-huh. And this made me think of a game I used to be so in love with called um, Mind Trap. Did you ever play Mind Trap?
0: Oh, I remember. I, I, I can picture the logo, but I don't think I ever played it.
1: It was uh, basically just a riddle game. Okay. Um, And we had it at the place that my family would go near a beach. Um, and <laughs> we found it. Like, it wasn't ours, but the, the <laughs> house had it. The house and, had it. And so on huh. rainy days, we would just play it. And um, me and my little brother and my friend Katie, and almost, like, half the time, the murder weapon was ice. It was almost <laughs> always ice-related because it would, like, melt. Oh, and sure. And there's no proof of it. Yeah. My friend Katie would get so mad because she's like, they're just, they're making things up. No one would ever do this.
0: <laughs> it's a riddle, Katie. It's a hypothetical situation.
1: It is, yeah. And but the Detective still, Detective Shadow, you know, he's always getting into some trouble. <laughs> he was the kid, like they were characters that showed up all the time. <laughs> Shadow, Shady, you know.
0: Okay. Hmm. 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 Well. Well.
1: Always think about. Always, ice always consider the ice when you're thinking about a mystery. Yeah. Huh. Always consider the ice is a great, <laughs> a great little slogan. Piece of advice. It's a good piece to end it on. It is. It is. Thank you to both of them for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com.
0: Or you can find us on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod. We do hope to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thank you to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel
1: Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com.
2: Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury.